stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by one of my favorite guests, Zach's product manager, Harry Kugayas, who is making his fifth appearance on the podcast. I didn't even realize it was five times until I looked it up five times on the podcast, but it's been a while. So anybody who's new, who's listening in on the show, you probably haven't heard from him because it has been a couple of years. I used to have Harry on every year to talk about Greece because he's Greek and he spends a lot of time back in Greece. And so we would talk about what was going on in the Greek economy and Europe in general. Um, But then I guess nobody, we weren't as interested or something, Harry, something happened and you haven't been on for years. But Harry was on the very first episode of this podcast. So that makes it even more special. It was October 13th, 2015, October 13, 2015, we're coming up to eight years. And that episode is titled, Is It Time to Invest in Greece? So I guess we could do kind of a a look back. I do kind of wish I had invested in Greece in 2015, at least in Greek real estate. I feel like I would be doing very well right now if I had invested in Greek real estate. And we did talk about real estate on several of those older episodes, Harry. So welcome back. Well, thank you, Tracy. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Greece um, because it has been a while. And, uh, you know, we had the pandemic that had to have hit Greece hard because the tourism aspect, obviously. But um, I'm curious what your thoughts are now that we have had the global reopening on like the tourism aspect of what's happening in Greece, because I seem to know everybody who's going there here in 2023 because it's reopened. So we all wanna go back. And I know some countries that were big in tourism or states like Hawaii, um, they actually felt like the pandemic was a chance to reassess what was going on with their economy, with the jobs, with tourism. Maybe they were over-touristed. There were a lot of stories in the, the last couple podcasts we did was like 2019, I think. And we did talk about the over-tourism at places like Santorini in Greece and that they were putting on restrictions on how many cruise ships could come in the port at one time because they just couldn't handle 20 or 30,000 people getting off those massive ships at the same time in those small little Greek towns there. Um, so I'm curious what you've you've spent time in Greece during the pandemic. What is your views on you know what is going on over there with the tourism aspect? Yeah, the, the tourism, I mean, this particular year has been fantastic, you know, with the reopening. Um, you know, Santorini, Mykonos. I mean, over the summer, they were putting out press releases. Please don't come here because there are no rooms (laughs) to be found. So it it is really great. And of course, the prices are just astronomical there during the summer. Um, Yeah. So that that is good for the the local economy. and also in Athens, uh, a lot of uh, B&Bs have uh, sprung up 
And unfortunately, quite a number of those B&Bs are not Greek owned, they're foreign owned. Uh, okay, so wait a minute, are these Airbnbs? These yeah, are yeah, like, Airbnb. oh, okay. I was yeah. gonna ask you, because the last time when we talked, um, Airbnb wasn't as big of a thing, kind of. It did exist, but it wasn't, you know, like it is now. So I was curious how much Airbnb has, you know, gone into some of these cities. So continue. Sorry. Yeah. So I think what happened is over the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of, as you said, reassessing going on. And the real estate market was really, really quite quite low. So okay. uh, foreign foreigners, foreign companies, uh, and also a lot of Middle Easterns because of the sort of horrendous conditions that are there, they started moving to Greece. And of course, Greece, I believe it was last year, they, uh, uh, they uh, made a policy to where if you had a certain amount of money, uh, you could get EU, you know, Greek citizenship and then obviously EU oh. citizenship. So okay. quite a number, uh, even in Corinth, believe even in, even in where we have the the house in the village, people have bought from, you know, foreign places. Uh, wow! E- either Lebanon or uh, Jordan, um, and from the the um, Russia, a lot of Russians, obviously, particularly in Cyprus. Uh, so they they bought up a lot of these apartments for next to nothing. You know, apartment buildings, entire apartment buildings, and turn them into Airbnbs. Okay. Uh, so the whole downtown uh-huh. Athens have been transformed, which which is good in a way, right? Because okay, was, I was just going to ask that: is that good? Is you know well, what what was happening there before before they transformed those buildings? Were people yeah. living in them? Were they just kind of you know I don't know what was happening? Yeah, they were living in them, but it was very dilapidated. Right. Okay. I mean, the the uh, Ammonia Square, which has kind of been the the hub of of Athens for for many many years, centuries, uh, that really became dilapidated because a lot of the folks were moving into the suburbs. It's kind of typical activity, you know, from from the the middle class moving out to sort of the wealthier suburbs. So that became dilapidated, and these buildings, some of them are really beautiful. They they were built uh, before the war and and very good construction. So th- they came in and transformed into Airbnbs. And unfortunately, though, for the locals that want to have their kids in Athens and want to buy something or rent something, the rents have gone through the roof there. And of course, to yeah. buy something, as soon as it goes on the market, it gets picked up by somebody because. You know, there's a, a lot of need for for uh, you know, housing. <laughs> I think a lot of places are having that issue. Yeah. What what is the situation in Athens with like digital nomads? I was on a couple blogs where they were talking about you know being a digital nomad in Greece in general, and um, you know now that we can work from anywhere, and you've worked from Greece for Zach's in the past. Yep. Um, why not? If I can work from anywhere, why not go there <laughs> at least for a couple months um, oh, in the sure. summertime? Yeah, but yeah. what is, uh, you know, have the digital nomads? I've, I mean, there's stories out of places like Mexico City during the pandemic where the digital nomads discovered that it was actually cheap to get, uh, you know, like a 
a Airbnb there and yeah. the Wi-Fi is pretty good. So they got kind of taken over by the digital nomads. Like there was actually protests of people saying like leave because you're taking apartments away from the locals and all of that. Is there a digital nomad like problem in Athens or are they still like welcoming it or what? what's that like? Well, they're still welcoming it because you know, the two top uh, sort of income generators for the country are shipping and and tourism. So yeah. they, they really do welcome that. Um, and I would add to the digital nomads, there are energy nomads that are down in Greece from the northern countries of Europe because the energy costs are just astronomical up there. Uh, so they're finding that they can rent um, or even buy homes down in Crete and maybe some of the southern uh, places in Peloponnese and, and the, the uh, Aegean Sea islands. So there are a lot of them uh, during, you know, uh, the the uh, fall and winter months that you know decided to just stay there. Yeah, yeah. So I see that um, I, I'm checking out right now as we're talking about this. The requirements for getting a Greece retirement visa that's different than the digital nomad one. I'm sure they probably have one for digital nomads, like what you need if you want to stay longer than the 90 days, which Americans can go in there for 90 days. Um, but the the Greece retirement visa for the non-EU people, I have to show at least 2000 euros per month of passive income. And then I need an additional 400 per month for a spouse and 200 for each dependent family member if I have those. And it can be a pension, annuity, investment income, dividends, any of that. That doesn't sound too bad. No, it doesn't. I think they also need uh, to transfer a certain amount of funds into the Greek. I, I think it was half a million and I think they dropped it to either 200 or 100,000, and it's one of the lowest. I think Portugal and Greece are one of the lowest uh, sort of entry points as far as you know getting EU citizenship. Yeah, okay, so I see that. I, I had to scroll down further. There is a separate program. So that first one, if you just have the 2,000 a month thing, that gets you in for two years and then you have to like reapply. But the golden visa program is the one you just mentioned. And that's where you have to buy real estate for 250,000 euros in Greece. And then you get this golden visa. Now I know that Portugal had this golden visa type of thing going on for numerous years before the pandemic, but they're getting rid of it because too many Americans and oh, like yeah. Brits all went down there because it was fairly attractive too. I don't think it was 250,000, but it was pretty low. And so everybody's taking advantage of that and just going in there and it's driven up the home prices for all oh, the locals absolutely. now. So is yeah. that happening in Athens too? Oh, in Athens and also in uh, you know, Peloponnese and, and Thessaloniki, which is up north. Um, okay. the, the, there, like I mentioned, there are a lot of Russians that come. A lot of, um, obviously with the war going on, a lot of Ukrainians uh, have come down and rented homes in Greece. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, and and you know, I mean, partly is is to get away from the sort of disaster that's happening there, and and partly uh, I think is that you know if you can, you know, you mentioned nomads. I mean, if you can work from anywhere, why would you want to be in an area that is you know has problems? So th that is adding to the housing sort of crunch, so to speak. Yeah. And, 
prices have really gone up. In addition to that aspect of it, there's a big, uh, a, a big development where the old airport used to be in Athens. It's called Elinigo. And, and you know it's like an eight and a half billion dollar development that's going to have a casino and deep water port and and all the amenities that go along with it. So that is really pumping a lot of money, and the prices around that area are going crazy. I mean, okay, really, really high. So um, it, has there been any kind of complaints against Airbnbs and things like that? You know that people are going in there, or no? Everybody just sees it as this is investment and it's good. Well, I think in both cases, um, you know, there are folks that are pro and and con. Uh, you know, the locals basically uh, want um, you know people to come in, obviously for tourism. Um, but the other aspect of it is the locals also can't get housing because a lot of those apartments have been bought up and turned into B and B. So that aspect is going in. And and one of the other things that I think is good for the local economy is that it, it does bring in not only the the Americans and the Canadians and the Australians in the summer. It does bring in a lot of the Europeans that stay a lot longer. So in that. In, in that sense, I think it's welcome not only by the businesses and folks in Athens, but also in the, um, you know, in the rural or not rural, but, you know, outside of Athens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the times when I had you on might have even been the first time we talked a lot about the brain drain of the young, talented Greeks who couldn't find the type of jobs they wanted in like Athens, but this was many years ago now. And then so they would, because they're in the EU, they could leave, they could go to Berlin, they could go to London, they could go to Paris, Amsterdam, wherever. And so that was really you know, causing some issues because the talent was not staying in Greece then. Has yep. that turned around in recent years? Have, you know, because of work from home or just more maybe, uh, you know, people discovering that Athens was cheaper and, you know, some maybe some more businesses coming in there? What, how, where does that stand? Yeah, there are businesses that have come down, particularly in the software and also in the, in the, um, I don't know if I'm using the right term, medical tourism. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- that so that people are going to the hospitals to get things yeah, done. Procedures or? such as dental okay. or or you know eye care or yeah, whatever yeah. that they provide, right? So, yeah. uh, but however, um, there's there's you know there are certainly doctors around Athens, but in the in the rural areas, it's a huge huge problem. Because you know, if they can find a job in Sweden or in Finland or you know Denmark, I mean, they're going to leave, and a lot of them have. Uh, my yeah. daughter has some friends that are MDs, you know, and they're saying, you know, they love Greece, they they still want to stay there, but the money is just not there because um, right, right. you know they get paid a lot more. Uh, but again, you know, money isn't everything. So, right, right. So um, I do see that they they have been trying to attract you know tech companies and things in there, 
And last September, they announced that uh, Alphabet will set up its first cloud region in Greece. Yeah, And they're estimating that deal to be $2.1 billion and could create up to 20,000 jobs by 2030. So that sounds like a big deal. Like if you start having like Alphabet or you know Amazon or these big tech type companies coming in there. Oh, absolutely. And that is happening, not only around Athens, but some of the other sort of not well-known cities. Um, I forget the company's name, but they're primarily customer support uh, okay. companies that come in and you know hire maybe 50 to 100 folks outside of Athens because it's relatively inexpensive as far as real estate is concerned, as far as uh, you know uh, payment, you know yeah. for the folks yeah. that work there. And Greeks generally, I mean, in school, the majority, the vast, vast majority is, 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 uh, you know, English speaking. So, okay. So That's that aspect question. of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, whether or not, um, you know, the future retirees in Greece would, from America would have issues with the language there, but maybe not, probably not in Athens, right? In the big city. No, cities. no, even in the, uh, you know, the, like where we are in Corinth, um, you go to any shop, I mean, everybody will speak some English, you know. Okay. Um, I know the, one of the times you were on, we discussed some of Greece's just, uh, you know, problems they were having with, the taxation and there was that added tax, but you would go to the shop and then the shopkeeper would not like put it on the item you were buying or whatever was going on because everything was not like, you know, digital or computerized. So there was no way for the government to know that that tax was missing or whatever on the item is, you know, that was years ago too. Has that all changed? Has have they, um, you know, adjusted more to, you know, digital transactions and all of that? What's going on with that oh, stuff? Oh yeah, I, I, right now, I mean, it's it's very rare that you can go into a shop and and not be able to pay by credit card, and they all require okay. obviously it to be reported electronically, and all your income needs to be, you know, reported. Um, so to a great extent, they've made an effort to it. Now, how successful they are is a different matter. Right, right. <laughs> still, I think as far as corruption, you know, that sort of in quotes, Greece is still, you know, mired in that, such as, I mean, other, you know, Southern Mediterranean countries are also mired in that. So it's, Greece is not unique by any means. But but it is getting a lot more streamlined right now. Um, you you can make appointments online with uh, with all pretty much all the agencies. Uh, you can pay electronically for virtually all of them. So things have gotten a lot more um, let's say organized and and a lot easier to to conduct your your private and also you know business aspect of of uh, the financial side. Okay, that's good to know, especially yep. you know for um, businesses going in and for you know even for tourists. Because I remember yeah, uh, even like eight years ago when you were first on, a lot of the hotels 
would only take cash, for instance, from travelers. <laughs> like so you'd have to take quite a bit, like even at the cheap hotels to like for me, you know, to go all the way over there. That was on some of the smaller islands. I'm sure that's still true to some extent. But now when I look at hotels that I looked at eight years ago, I see, oh yeah, they're on booking.com now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like so I can just charge it with my credit card now. And they definitely take credit cards now. It's not all cash. Well, yeah, they, they had to because yeah. uh, you know, particularly with the the increase in Airbnb, which is pretty much hundred percent online, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They had to in order to compete. So right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um what is happening with uh, you know allowing like some of the bigger hotel chains to come in there? That has always been kind of missing from Greece. Is it, is there any push to have you know like the big Marriotts and Hiltons or Belmond or you know some of these big names or the Sandos or the Bahias of the world all you know come in there? I'm sure they've over the years been you know thinking. There must be a way we can get in there with one of our big, like all inclusives or something. But most of the ones I've seen, even on the bigger islands, have been more locally owned, like family owned chains. Has, you know, is that like in the future of Greece that these bigger, you know, international conglomerates might be moving in? I, I don't know. I mean, certainly the the Elenico development in Athens. Um, yeah, that will certainly attract large hotels because right they, they need to. Um, but you know, some of the uh, other places, uh, or I should say, most of the other places in Greece, uh, you know, resorts are not. You know, it's not a part. It's not just not part of the culture. It's, it's right, right. You know, so yeah. I don't know if that would. Would go well. It's not Hawaii okay. where you go in and you stay in one place and do nothing. Now those places yeah. exist. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there are some places in in southern Peloponnese and in Crete that have yeah. that, but the vast majority of the accommodations are local and uh, you know yeah. locally owned. Okay. It's just making me a little bit harder to invest. You know, I'm thinking of ways. What companies I could invest in, but obviously booking is one of them because I definitely have seen plenty of hotels in booking.com. Ticker BKNG, I actually own it in my own personal portfolio. It's up 22% in the last month, that stock, because everybody wants to go somewhere. And Expedia, similarly, it's up 34%. Ticker EXPE, even Airbnb is up. It was, it was way, you know, it sold off big, but even that one is up. Um, in the last month too, like 23%, A, B, and B is the ticker there. Um, what about something like WeWork? Are there any WeWorks in Athens? That's the like, you know, um, the where you can go in and work there as like the digital nomad or something. I, I did read on some site, they were saying it's hard to be a digital nomad in Athens because Everything is old and there's a lot of stone and they can't lay the fiber optic cables or something they were saying as easily. So not everywhere has like good high speed internet. But I'm assuming something like a, you know, these office sharing type, like a WeWork would be in a location where they would have it, I would think. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know about that aspect of it, but you know, uh, internet coverage uh, everywhere I've been in Greece has been no problem. I mean, there, there a cafe in a village will have internet, and, and it's not, you know, three G. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's high That's, speed. Yeah. So I don't know if that will catch on um, because life in in Greece and you know southern Mediterranean is pretty much lived outside. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know how, how well uh, we work or other work environments would would uh, uh, you know sort of uh, you know structure their their offices there unless they make them outside you know so yeah I, I don't know uh, I, I suppose it could be possible in Athens because it does get congested and you you want to be someplace quiet to to do your work so it's okay. possible that maybe they can okay. take off there but. Um, what about things like electric vehicles and charging stations and all of that? Is that catching on in Greece? I'm sure they're under the EU requirements, you know, to have to kind of go towards electric vehicles. Is is that, you know, are there Teslas yeah. in, in, oh, in yeah, Greece? There are Teslas. Okay. Actually, okay. a neighbor has one in the village. Okay. So, wow. so it's there and other electric vehicles are there. They're pushing it, but you know, the aspect that nobody talks about about electric vehicles is how are road taxes going to be paid? Okay. You know, I don't know if the country's really caught up with that. Uh, you know, if they go all electric, I mean, they got to come up with a way to 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 tax your your road use. Because right now, I think electric vehicles are getting a free ride, right? It's is that because it's taxed through the gas? Yeah, yeah I mean, a okay, lot of, like in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, in the U.S. and in Greece, obviously, it's yeah. you know, gas is very expensive. I mean, it's it's equivalent to a gallon is like eight and a half yeah. to nine dollars. So, yeah, most of that is taxes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, one of the times we had you on, we discussed the austerity measures that were going on. And a lot of that had to do with uh, retirees and pensions. It was a very difficult time. Like people's pensions were actually being cut, you know, right uh, not many years after the Great Recession when people were still struggling and tourism wasn't all that great yet. And so um, I know you're heading into your own retirement. So I'm just curious, you know, if. If that has kind of settled out now in Greece and where things stand on the austerity measures that were going on, yeah, the austerity measures have have pretty much completed. I think um, okay, a lot of the pensions were cut by fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, so even though they have not been cut in recent years, inflation has cut their buying power significantly. Right. Right. So, People are struggling. I mean, it, it's it's very hard. Electricity costs have doubled and tripled. I mean, the official percent for electricity, I think, is you know two hundred some percent. Um, but there is the government is you know providing rebates for folks in in the lower income brackets to offset you know the higher energy costs. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that problem is solved. Greece is still, you know, per GDP, um, you know, very top heavy as far as uh, 
you know, uh, government employees is concerned and pensions. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to go away anytime soon. Um, it's it's 180 percent of, of you know 180 percent debt per to GDP. I mean that's that's pretty high. I think it's like the third yeah. highest in in the world, if not Europe. Well, in Europe, if not the world. So yeah, is there um, still a, a push by the young people? I remember we talked about this too. That a lot of the young people went to go work for the government just because those were like kind of the easy jobs, and that's what was available. Is that still the case, or have they cut back on government jobs? You know, because of the austerity, so more young people are going into the private sector instead now. Um, I, I mean, there's still a, a segment of of the population that still yearns for the old day, olden days to where they can land a job and essentially do nothing and get paid. I, I yeah. think a lot of that has gone away. Okay. Uh, but you know, Europe has a lot more stringent uh, employee employment law uh, laws, so they right. can't get rid of the people that have that mentality. Well, I'm sad because I have a government job. Right. Uh, but but it is changing there in the offices. It's um, everything is turning to electronic means, which means a lot less people, which, which in essence, I think is a good thing for the folks that live there because it, it is a lot easier to do your business and you know what to expect. It's not uh, it's not something that is Going to be left up to the to the uh, local uh, sort of employee to decide whether you're going to pay full amount or or <laughs> whatever he decides he needs for that month. I, yeah. it, it, and it's not just Greece. I mean, it happens in a lot of places around the world, including the U.S. You know, not government uh, uh, sort of uh, institutions, but certainly in private sector, that's the case. There's a lot of people that you know do take cash and. Don't report it. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay. While I have you on this podcast, and someone else might be interested in this, I'm just curious: uh, what is the easiest way for Americans to get to Greece? Obviously, you're going to fly over there. But do I want to do like a nonstop flight into Athens? Do I want to? Go to some other airport and connect over. If I'm going to some other island, or what is the what's the best way to actually get there? Yeah, I mean it, it, it's personal preference. You know, my preference okay. is to fly to Europe and then from there, you know, fly into Athens. Okay. Uh, and as far as going to the islands, um, I prefer to take the the ferries. Okay. I, I think that's one of the sort of Great things about going to the uh, Adriatic or the Aegean is that you can really enjoy a leisurely um, time on the boat while you're getting there, instead of flying yeah. there and then going and having a drink while you watch people go by. You know, I mean, right, right. It's, but it, but it is personal preference. Okay. Um, there are very few direct flights from the states into right. Athens. Most of them sort of, you know, go to Europe first or fly directly from from the states into Athens, uh, primarily from Atlanta or from New York. There yeah. is one from Chicago. I think it's the only one that is west of the East Coast that flies directly yeah. yeah. to Greece. Yeah. Okay. That's why I'm asking because I know it is a little more difficult 
There's not as many American tourists over there. We do tend to try to get there to go to Santorini, but I do feel it's like an extra, you know, effort to get to Greece for the Americans. So we don't tend to go there as often. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think the the expat Greeks are make up probably the the majority of the Americans that go to Greece, and yeah. there are a lot of religious groups that go to the you know religious sites in in Greece, and of course the the people that like um, you know archaeology uh, and, and right. sort of you know history they they go for there for that. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's, you know, the best part about Greece and the Mediterranean is to be there and just enjoy the the nature, you know, the sea, the sun and the mountains. Okay, yeah, you're selling me on it. It's not hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One other question, you keep mentioning that big development outside of Athens. When will that start to be completed? Like when will they have some buildings done I understand it's since it's so big, it probably will be a 10 to 20 year build out, it sounds like. I think they, they expected, I mean, I could be mistaken about this, but I think it's 25, 26 time frame. Oh, really? So oh, only yeah. a couple of years. Oh. oh, yeah, they started already. I mean, they already built, I think, the one of the tall, while I was there, they I saw the, the big high rise and all the other accompanying buildings already well under construction. And of course, the area around there is is boomed. I mean, there's so much. Oh yeah, they're calling it a smart city. It'll have 10,000 homes, shops, a marina, 31 miles of walking and bike paths. Oh yeah, it's, I mean, it looks wonderful. You know, if if they complete it and and they have the funds, so I I don't see why it would. uh, Yeah, no, they just are gonna keep going. Yeah, it is the, the largest development in Europe right now. Yeah, exactly, and and it's uh, I think six hundred to seven hundred acres. I mean, it's huge, or maybe eight hundred acres. I, I forget the number. Yeah, it's it's bigger than Central Park. I mean, it's huge, and they want to do yes, a multi-use size. Uh, yeah, and they're going to have the port and the casino, which will attract a lot of uh, a lot of folks from uh, the Middle East. You know. Yeah, well, this looks like a great development given that it was just kind of this ugly airport before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at some pictures right now. Oh, um, it was small, right? very small. Yeah, and it looks like it's going to have a beach right there and everything going yeah, it's for right, it. It's right on the water. I mean, uh, it's yeah. wise, it, it, uh, I think it parallels the, uh, the sea, you know, the coast, so. Okay. Um, I'm, I definitely will <laughs> be checking that out too. Um, okay, and since you yourself are entering into your retirement and we're on this uh, you know, stock financial podcast today, I thought I would just ask you, uh, as I've done with some others that I've talked to for this podcast, what, if any advice you have for younger people who are listening right now, you know, millennials, Gen Zers, about planning for retirement, you know, um, you know, maybe they might want to retire in Greece. How do they get that two thousand dollars a month or more to go retire over there? 
Do you, do you have any uh, lessons you've learned from all your years of preparing for retirement or investing that you might want to share today? Sure. I, I think, uh, you know, investing should be part of everybody's, on everybody's mind, right? Because, you know, working, um, inflation is going to eat a lot of your, your uh, money if you don't invest it. You just can't have it in the bank unless... Unless the interest rates go up to 18% like they did in the 80s, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, so, you know, the the problem with, I think, the stock market is that, you know, we have a tendency, I think, and in, including myself, to, to try to time the market, particularly since, you know, obviously I've, I've been in the financial arena, so to speak, uh, for many, many years, decades. Yeah. It's very hard to think that, well, I can time it. That's a wrong strategy to have. And every okay. time I, I I did that, I regretted it. So okay. don't try to, to time the market. Uh, that's the number one advice that I have, at least. And, okay. and certainly buy in. I mean, what I think is um, Bill O'Reilly, O'Reilly or O'Reilly, the, the one that got started in Investors Business Daily had a quote back in the 80s. And he says, you know, if you go to buy something, do you want to buy the cheap one that doesn't move or do you want to buy the expensive one that moves? Uh, and okay. the tendency is that, you know, we want to buy the cheap stuff and okay. it tends to be cheap in the long run. So, <laughs> You got to watch the social, you know, trends. You got to look around you. You know what stores, you know, have a lot of a big parking lot and a lot of cars. Okay, uh, so know, that's kind of like the Peter yeah. Lynch strategy. Yeah, he yeah. was the manager at Fidelity, um, Magellan's mutual fund, all those years. And part of his strategy was like, oh, I just got my haircut at the Supercuts. I wonder if I could invest in that. They did a real good job. Or one time his wife came home with these bags from a store called The Limited. And he's like, what's this store? And she's like, we love it. So he did do uh, you know, research. He didn't just buy these stocks willy nilly, but he did believe in like kind of buying what you know and doing what you just said. Like, oh, everybody's at this store or these items are sold out. I can't even get it. What is that? Like, why are they so popular? And then, you know, looking for good investment ideas through that method. Oh, absolutely. And and to keep an eye out for what is, what are the new things? You know, they're so, right now, information is so fast flowing. But, you know, if you're going to invest, you got to, you can't just be a backseat driver. You you got to keep your eyes open and conscious of what is going on. Uh, and you got to be in, in it. You know, I, I know in the past, uh, there have been occasions where I sold and I sold at the right time. But if you're not in it, to get back in it is difficult emotionally. So, it's best right, to, to right. stay in all the time. Maybe you want to limit what you have, but buy stocks that you know have legs, so to speak. That that can weather. You know the earnings have to be good, obviously, and and they have to be desirable as far as what the societal trends uh, you know show. So yeah, that's uh, good. It's, yeah, it's not an easy thing, but investing. Is I think you know particularly since you mentioned earlier that you know a lot of a lot of countries are having problems with the social 
sort of strata of, of, of the population and, you know, social services, social security, yeah. Medicare and all that. So yeah. the future is not going to be any better, I don't think. I, I think, you know, everybody has to uh, be aware of that. Hey, I may have to go with this alone and you got to invest, you got to save. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's okay. the advice that I have for my daughter and for anybody that's listening that's younger. Okay, that's good advice. All right. Well, I think we've covered all the topics and I will be sad when you are living all the time in Greece or not working at Saks anymore. Um, because it's been quite the pleasure, Harry, to have you on the podcast, to be your work colleague, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has, and thank you for having me on. It's it's good to discuss things and to give uh, folks a different perspective of what life is. You know, there. Yeah. This planet is a beautiful place. We should really enjoy where we are and and look forward to going to places where, you know, it's different where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, every time I do one of these podcasts, I'm like, I'm going to Greece, but I have not gone there yet. But well, now I should. will. <laughs> now I, I have to. I have no no excuses. Um, let me recap some stocks we talked about. Now, we did talk about how Google just is opening up that new office for the cloud in um, Athens, ticker G-O-O-G-L there. Uh, I was just looking around while we were discussing and Microsoft opened up an office the year before already yeah. there as well, MSFT there. And then Amazon apparently has as well, I think also for the cloud side of things, that makes sense. Um, AMZN is that one. And then we did talk about the Airbnb because how could you not if you're talking about any kind of tourism that they're the name on everybody's List right now, ABNB is the ticker. Booking is also another big one on the tourism side, BKNG. Expedia, the same thing, EXPE. Um, we mentioned some of the like uh, office you know, sharing stuff. There is WeWork, it is still trading out there, but uh, go take a look at that chart. It's a wild ride, ticker WE. And then we did mention Tesla and that Harry's neighbor has a Tesla and they're in a more ruralish type area. So, you know, Teslas are everywhere and we're um, seeing some big growth in both revenue and earnings on Tesla, ticker TSLA. And as always, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of the Market Edge because you never know what we're gonna talk about. Who knew we would be talking about Greece here in 2023, but I'm glad we did. And I'm glad it was the very first episode because these episodes are interesting and I learned a lot off of them. So be sure to subscribe. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud. You can find the first episode on SoundCloud, but I even went on there and didn't want to scroll all the way down. So I just Googled it and found it that way. But you can go all the way to the beginning episodes on some of those sites and be sure to. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. 
This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.